If you're Christian Spicer, you're wearing shorts and a t-shirt and sweating your patoot off. One or the other, depending on where you happen to be in the world. Regardless, we're going to be in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week. Delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash DLC pod. They bring the show to you. Their generosity, their support, their belief in wanting additional episodes means that we get to make additional episodes and you can be one at patreon.com slash DLC pod in exchange for your generous support. You get some cool perks, including ad free versions of the show, video versions of the show on demand and a cornucopia of extra content, including two full seasons of feeling this, the show where Alex Solman and Christian Spicer talk about the feelings behind video games also, you get the podcast version of the DLC Book Club, where Lana Bashinsky and myself talk about books. It's so much fun. It's a great time. But uh, the best part, ladies and gentlemen, at a certain tier level, you get the Wednesday bonus paid DLC program, which has become a two-way street where we answer your questions, talk about your topics, and get a little weird. But it's all in good fun over at patreon.com slash pod. But this show, the main show, DLC, it's the show all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. And also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, the spell with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who is also no longer undefeated, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everyone. And look, I don't want to keep people waiting. So I'll just say it's a two out of ten. It's a two out of ten. From what I've played... Two out of ten. You're talking about me and our our discussions with each other. That's I'm not, not, rating I'm me not now? saying what I'm talking about, but I. No, we have <laughs> we have a huge show for you. If you were waiting with bated breath uh, for our release, as usual on Sunday nights, we held it. I'm sure you noticed until Monday, so we are able to talk unfettered about Marvel's Spider-Man 2. Both Christian and I have finished that game, so we have lots to talk about. We will also be doing a spoiler chat uh, for Patreon uh, subscribers first. That'll be happening relatively soon. But we got a lot to get to. There's, It's it's just an insane (laughs) number of amazing games coming out this year. I don't even know how we're going to do our end-of-the-year show. I don't know how we're going to do it. But we got a lot of really great stuff to talk about. And... Ladies and gentlemen, we have an awesome guest to do it with. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh, I'm excited because once again, DLC stands for direct to his live community because you know him from Rooster Teeth's Fun House, Inside Gaming and Attack of the Show. But now he is exclusive to Twitch at twitch.tv slash Bruce Green. It's Bruce Green. Hey, Bruce, how are you? Gentlemen, it's so good to see you both. It is, it's been so long since I was here, and I yeah, was you telling, 
You made a tumor. human, right? I know. I was going to say, I told Jeff I had a child. It's been so long. Yeah. So, uh, that's so what we like. We need, we need guests to have a very substantial life update before we ask yeah. them to donate their time to join us yeah. for a conversation. Yeah, that's Congratulations. A, thank you. How, thank how's you fatherhood? Uh, fatherhood is great. So far, I am the help because she's about seven months. So I think she likes me. She smiles at me, <laughs> but I don't know that she thinks that I'm her dad yet. She may, <laughs> she may, and she will eventually, but just not right now. Right now, I'm just the funny guy who smiles at her. Hey, so. that's that's a good thing to be. You could remain useful, and you will get more and more status in her life. <laughs> I'm gonna say, yeah. as mine that's approaches it. teenage years, I wish I was the funny guy who smiled and not the, <laughs> the guy who receives the eye roll. You know? So. Yeah, yeah. It's, it really we'll is. There. We'll it really is a bell curve, you know. It really oh, is. Okay. All right. I'm looking forward to it. I, you guys, I know it's you guys are best. very experienced in fatherhood, so I'm, I'm very, yeah. very it's much looking forward to it. The best. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we're glad to have you. Thank you uh, for uh, for being with us. We got a lot to get to, so let's jump right in and start the show the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also send comments, questions, anything you'd like us to know or discuss. We love hearing from you at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also post questions, post comments, participate in our community by heading over to our subreddit, which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com, or even better... Hang out in the Discord. We have that uh, Discord with lots of really cool folks hanging out, talking about the show and all sorts of other topics. That is also 5 by 5 DLC on Discord. But Bruce, you are our guest. So you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Well, this is a, this is a really good week for stories. Like a really fantastic week. I think probably the biggest story just because it's going to affect all of our lives for years to come is the <laughs> that microsoft has finally completed the acquisition of activision blizzard finally just it just happened as we predicted and right when we predicted it we all yeah. said it would be just, october 14th october of yeah. whatever it is yeah we no, said no. it would take exactly 640 days <laughs> it'd be story of the week 92 times just as we Jeez, all my god i'm so uh, tired of talking about it <laughs> yeah, what a what a roller coaster of events, uh, uh, Bruce. Now that it has finally happened, what do you think? What do you think this is a net positive for gamers? Uh, obviously, just to briefly recap, sixty-eight point seven billion dollars for Microsoft to acquire Activision Blizzard King. They put out a celebratory video showing all these franchises that are now coming under the the wing of Microsoft. Uh, we got first party studios like Treyarch and Infinity Ward, and there's a lot of joining the family talk mm -hmm. uh, at mm -hmm. Microsoft. So do you think this is a net positive for gamers? Do you think this is a net positive for the industry? What is what is your take? So this is th these sorts of comments are going to come back to haunt me. I know. <laughs> I know they are because I'm a, I like I like to think positive, guys. Um, I'm a, I'm an idealist when it comes to these things, but also corporations are the worst. So um. <laughs> I do trust Phil Spencer. I trust Phil Spencer. So I do think that he's going to make some good moves. Um, and I think he'll try his best to make things seem like it's good for gamers. Um, when it's first, when this, you know, when this goes through and they put Call of Duty on Game Pass and 
the whole deal. Like it, I, I'm, I think things are going to be good to start. Now I can't tell you in five years where we're going to be, but I think Phil Spencer is going to make a, a lot of really good moves for us in the first year. And a lot of people have already called me, you know, super naive about this, but I, that's the way I feel about it, but I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm worried. <laughs> yeah. Well, I tend to be Pollyanna right alongside you. So I, oh, okay. I, I'm wow. definitely right. Christian is here to, to course correct us and please and, do. Uh, yeah. Please and do. <laughs> keep us grounded. <laughs> but I, you know, I think there are, there's the potential here for this being very positive thing. You know, uh, we here at DLC are not huge fans of Bobby Kotick and how that oh, situation. Absolutely. We, I can't wait till he's gone. I'm so excited. So well, excited. we did get word that he will be staying at least through the end of 2023. Um, that's only a few more months. So that's that's great. only a few more months. Yeah, and yeah. we don't know exactly uh, if that means he won't, you know, if, if his he will leave right at the beginning of 2024 or ex we know at least he's staying through 2023. So maybe more. All the bobbies be forgotten. Let the door hit your ass. <laughs> yeah, get out of here, dude. Get out <laughs> of here. We also don't know what kind of golden parachute he's getting. You know, I don't think anybody's going to be. Uh, I don't the think he, I don't the door. The goldenest. The door <laughs> will be hitting the posterior region and exploding in dollar bills. That's what that door does. Uh <laughs> So, you know, I, I, but having said that, I think the potential is for a different kind of culture to be infused into this huge uh, multi-tiered billion dollar corporation. Um, so I th I'm right there with you, uh, Bruce, as far as like thinking that silver lining could permeate. I, I think that that could really be a positive thing for the industry. Obviously, consolidation of power, consolidation of IP, consolidation of all of these you know, disparate arms of a, uh, of an industry isn't necessarily a good thing, mm -hmm. but I think this has the potential of being a good thing. I think it's interesting that Microsoft who plays like they're, you know, in second or third place because they often are uh, now has the impetus to kind of use these IP, use the, these, these resources in a way that maybe Activision wasn't motivated to do. Uh, we saw a friend of the show, Jeff Keighley, post a, a list of the IP that are now controlled, uh, you know, now part of the Microsoft family. Yeah. And it's a lot of stuff I didn't even think about. A lot of old, really interesting, cool stuff like King's Quest and Space Quest and like all kinds of interesting, cool, you know, old timey IP that haven't, not much has been done with them in a long time. And I suspect there might be some cool things that happen from that. Mm -hmm. So I'm right there along with you for, with Pollyanna. We do know that there has been a statement that was uh, socially media, social media that's, that's what I'm going to say for now, social media The social media by uh, Microsoft saying, uh, quote, we do not have plans to put Modern Warfare 3 or Diablo 4 into Game Pass this year. Once the deal closes, we expect to start working with Xbox to bring our titles to more players around the world. And we anticipate that we would begin adding games into Game Pass sometime in the course of the next year. So just because the flip is switching and Microsoft owns Call of Duty doesn't mean the new Call of Duty is going to be on Game Pass tomorrow or this year or anytime soon and Diablo the same way. So that's a bit of a bummer. I was hoping that would actually happen. No, they, they need to make their money on, on, the, on the retail for those games. Like they have to sell those games right now next year could be a real thing um but this year they, they have to sell call of duty and i'm sure people are waiting they were like oh i'm not gonna buy call of duty because i go to game pass and 
Microsoft's like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> so yeah. you're still buying it. Yeah. You're still buying it. Yeah. Uh, Christian Spicer, we, we weathered the storm. We got through, we went up in the <laughs> roller coaster and down on the roller coaster. We did the loop de loop. We did the spiral corkscrew. We, we did the entire roller coaster. And now we finally got to the end. Our hair is blown back and we're staring at the next people who are ready to get on. I've extended the metaphor a little too long, but we made it. They did it. What are your thoughts? Well, I do want to say first that you are right. We did it. Um, it was <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, thank like you. we won it for our sports teams. This was us. This was our doing. We endured it. We endured <laughs> we the the whole process. When and by we, survived. I mean all of our listeners as well. It was a it, listening it, to the story of the week. Yeah, it's yeah it a was a marathon, week. not a sprint. Let's just it's say a, that. Yeah. Um, I think there is a lot to like as a consumer right now about this transaction. I agree with a lot of what, with a lot of what Bruce said. Ooh, if I can get my words in the right order. Um, and I'm super excited that it does appear that Bobby is out. And I think Phil has shown good corporate culture in his leadership of Xbox. And I'm excited to see that hopefully continue into these Activision Blizzard King studios. I'm excited that they have re emphasized Microsoft and Xbox's stance on being neutral regarding the formation of unions within studios in their ranks. That's going to be a big change from what they've had. And Jeff is typing something, which makes me think something is wrong. Is something wrong? No, Jeff? I just realized that my uh, mute button wasn't working. So you probably heard me make a terrible noise just there. I didn't, but I'm glad okay. we no, I didn't it hear now. it. Yeah. Okay, no, good. Yeah. Well, my, I thought my mute button wasn't working because it's not lighting up. <laughs> no, it's good. We endured it. Uh, we survived <laughs> it, Jeff. But I'm, ex I'm excited for hopefully seeing more unionization within games. And Microsoft so far has shown a willingness to be neutral to that. Activision fought it uh, tooth and nail and, yeah. you know, were not receptive to that. So I think that is awesome. I think that is great. I My concerns are, I think the two main concerns I have are, one, I don't know how many tentacles Hydra can have and Phil, and Phil still have control. Hmm. I'm not sure how big this beast can get, and you can still maintain company culture. Some people might say Microsoft and Xbox is already too big. <laughs> you can't maintain company culture in a company this big, but I'm curious what that is going to be like and learning those new processes and reporting up and, and all of that. The other concern I have, uh, I will use the family-friendly version of it, is the encrapification of things. Right, and right. as we're seeing the price increase of Disney Plus going up yet again, after mm -hmm. having not the greatest of shows recently, in my mm -hmm. opinion, mm -hmm. um, the price of all of these streaming services going up. I am afraid of the day of Xbox being like, these are all our IPs. Here's our list. You're going to pay us now. We were, we were selling this to you at a loss. Bruce, we got you. Mm -hmm. Sucker. Here's our new rate. And we're that's all right. like, they got us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's my, that's my fear. Yeah. I think it's a genuine I even, fear. I think it's I don't a, even think, yeah, I was going to say, I don't think that's even a fear. I think that's a foregone conclusion. <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> um, because I've been thinking about this a lot. I think what they're going to do is they're going to take. It's going to be like PS Plus. You know how PS Plus tiered itself out. Um, I think that's what's going to happen. Where they're going to tier out Game Pass and give you the Indies for ten dollars a month, mm. and then the Starfields for fifteen, 
And then the Call of Duties for 20 a month. You know, like, I think it's going to be something mm. like that. Um, That'd be really interesting. Like, a day, the, the big game day oneers is now uh, $30, you know, whatever it is exactly. versus. Because they already started that, I guess, with that killing gold and creating core. That's right. Which is now yeah. Game Pass core. So that's interesting. Yeah, that's that's what it smells like to me, um, just because they raised the price directly before Starfield came out. Um, and then they're also doing the whole charging you for early access, right? They're going to charge you to play five days early or whatever. And that's a thing now across the entire games industry. So um, they'll do that along with the tiered Game Pass system. And I mean, Phil Phil Spencer, again, I like him. He's transparent. He said, oh, yeah, we're going to have to raise the price. Like he said that. Um, so we know it's going to happen. I just don't know when and for what. And for how much. Yeah. 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 Yep. Uh, it's, uh, I guess that's the reality of it all, but I'm, I, I remain hopeful that this is a net positive. Uh, and hopefully, you know, we're not talking 30, 40, $50 a month. Hopefully we're still talking, you know, 15, $20 a month. Uh, oh in, man. In I hope future, so. But. Yeah. Either way, uh, it looks like Microsoft has has conquered the beast that is uh, regulation. <laughs> but there is still uh, the the uh, FTC is still taking up a challenge to this. So it's not completely 100 percent over. Uh, there was a note from the FTC saying, hey, we are going to uh, we are taking seriously an internal complaint uh, that this might create a monopoly. So there will still be some investigation. But Microsoft is certainly doing its victory lap right now. And, uh, you know, somebody has to write a $68.7 billion check. Man, how that Bobby, exactly. Bobby Kotick, I was reading like he, some insane number that he gets on the way. I was like 400 million or something. I was just like, it made me so angry. <laughs> like I was just like, yeah. And, and again, I do, I do know from what I've kind of read into Phil Spencer's statements, like, Phil knows that he's not good for the company. So I'm glad that he's sort of like, Hey, Hey buddy, like you got to get going. And, uh, that's pretty quick, honestly, that the, it went through in October and they're getting him out in two months, hopefully. Um, so I hope that that's what happens and I appreciate that, but also he makes a ton of money and hope maybe we'll never see him again. That'd be great. But we have to close down all these studios because you well, guys don't make any money online. The monkey, the monkey paws wish was like, you know, Sony is looking for a new head of studio. And I was no, like, no, no, oh, no. There's don't no monkey way. Don't oh, monkey no way. No way. <laughs> he, he's got, he's got to be damaged goods, right? There's no way anybody take this dude. Right. I, you know, who knows? His, <laughs> I, I fear, I, but yeah, we'll see. I, I doubt it, but boy, God, I, I, I'm not going to bet against it. I'll tell you that. Uh, <laughs> rolling into what my story will be we don't need to transition there but unity is also looking for a new ceo so maybe <laughs> transition away christian what is your story of the week well john ricatello is out at unity uh we, i think we talked about it last week two weeks ago of uh his latest misstep i mean ricatello is famous infamous for suggesting uh that reloads become a microtransaction and right. it was battlefield where it's battlefield, like why not yeah. If you want to reload faster, you can, but that's, you know, $2 or whatever. And d- dude has been that king That just of- sounds like good gameplay. <laughs> <laughs> that's just insanity. That's like an insane, bi- like, billionaire talking about video games. It makes me so mad. <laughs> well, would you believe me then if I said uh, the same person also said developers are all idiots for uh, not making all their games microtransaction heavy and subscription-based? Yeah. Ba- dude is... Yeah. 
famous for like the worst hot takes you could have. It seemed like, and and this is why it's it's not a terrible uh, prediction to say that uh, that Kotick isn't done running companies because you know here's a dude that also failed up. You know, continues to fail up. Good point. And this is this is one case where I feel like I mean they won't, but if Bobby did head over to Unity, I think I might be like, you know what. That is an upgrade. Like, I, I think, is I think it? I'd support really? Unity oh. still. I don't know. Like, oh, maybe. I'm, not, I'm not sure. Um, and so the post was that he would be stepping down, you know, effective immediately. And, and then a lot of the other comments around that were, you know, putting stepping down in a very heavy, bold font quote of, uh, yeah, you're, you're stepping down, buddy. But You've been asked to leave because if you didn't listen to the show a couple weeks ago when he went through it, Unity uh, took a major credibility hit as they, this is the TLDR version, dear listener, uh, fundamentally changed how they do business and how they charge developers for access to their engine. And they changed fees both retroactively and looking forward and changed their terms of service, went so far as to delete their old terms of service from places like GitHub, so they couldn't be referenced, and and really stepped in it. And you had major companies and developers saying, we are going to delist our game because it was going to be on a download base cost. They'd have to pay per download of their game. A bunch of companies, Unity is huge in the mobile space. If our listeners don't know, most, not most, maybe maybe most, a lot of mobile games are built in Unity. And a lot of those games then pulled Unity's ad-serving software from their games in protest and started trying to hit unity where it hurt, you know, in those financials and those waves uh, were felt unity originally, you know, stepped it back and they changed it. They said, this is going to be our new uh, pricing structure and we're not going to do things retroactively. And, you know, they tried to appease people, but a lot of devs said they weren't, you know, weren't going to have it. They lost faith in the company. And this seems like the last thing that could happen to maybe save face for you know, an engine that was widely uh, popular and at times beloved. But what I'm hearing, and I'm curious, Bruce or Jeff, if you have heard differently, but what I'm hearing is that this still is not far enough. They need to, developers need to see credible changes in who the next leader is to restore their faith in, in Unity and what it can be. But Riccatello is out. Yeah, this definitely looked like a scenario where head heads had to roll, or at least one head had to roll. And uh, the head has the head has rolled. But yeah, the 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 proof will be in who takes that role next. And uh, I don't know who that's going to be. And I don't know who it could be to, you know, signify the the change in course. Reggie, Reggie, (laughs) Reggie coming out of retirement to run Unity. Um, But, you know, whomever it is uh, will certainly need to – you know, start their job with some strong statements because this, this was a massive misstep as <laughs> Phil you know. leaves and Bobby takes over Xbox. <laughs> oh, geez. Oh man. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. The, the D bag dosi do. Um, <laughs> Bobby's like, I am resigning. I am resigning as uh, Activision. I am now Xbox. Head. <laughs> no! <laughs> no way. Uh, Bruce, um, what's your take on this? Uh, do you think unity is too far gone at this point is is it unredeemable have developers already jumped ship to the point where not even uh firing the uh the ceo will you know 
bring significant enough change to bring them back? Or what, what do you think? Yeah, we were just talking, you got, you mentioned in crapification, uh, Corey, Corey Doctorow, uh, it's the, the S word in the middle of, uh, yeah. Inification. Uh, it's a fantastic term because it's one of those things where it's basically a drug deal. So all of these things that we do in tech, whether it's Gmail or, uh, Disney plus or anything like that, they get us on the hook. They give us a little taste for free or for $5 or whatever it is. And then once we're addicted, then they reel us in, triple the price and make it worse. And, uh, this happened with unity. Now I'm not a developer. I don't know if you guys are, but I'm not. And this is something that I have friends that are developers and watching them explode and get so angry because they've been dealing with unity for so long. And it was, it's always been, you know, pretty close to free. They're maybe paying a subscription plan or something. Um, and then have it twisted on them in such a terrible manner. If I were a developer, if this happened to me, I would be like, nothing. No, we're good. I'm moving on. I'm going to Godot or I'm going to, you know, I'll pay the unreal thing. And then maybe on, maybe Tim Sweeney won't screw me. (laughs) Um, you know, like this is a, this was a big deal. Um, and I was just reading, I went, I went and looked up their new policy, Unity's new policy, because they stepped it back. And uh, they, the, the Verge uh, reported this, now users on the Unity personal subscription plan, which is, again, like if you're just like some dude who wants to make a video game, that's, you're probably on the Unity personal subscription plan. Uh, they won't be charged a new fee, and Unity will increase the revenue cap on games made with that plan to $200,000. So then I think they take a piece of like the really big games, um, but... Uh, the smaller games, it sounds like they're not as affected. Uh, however, it still feels kind of like the drug deal. Sorry, where it's like, oh, no, 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 we yeah, want to get right. new right. devs, you know, used to this architecture. So yes. I completely agree. <laughs> but, and, I, and that's the thing that would worry me is if I made a game in Unity, like now I wouldn't be like, well, I guess we could, we could trust them again, right? <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> uh, I don't know about that one. I mean, like, it, I, and I was honestly very surprised to see that John Riccatello was booted. Um, I thought for sure this dude was sticking around until he died. Like I thought, you know, he made a bunch of terrible decisions, but everyone, no one could get him out. And I'm really glad to see that they got him out. Um, I don't know that this would be enough to convince me, uh, as a dev to go with unity, but it certainly helps. Um, and I, that this was a positive development to see somebody like this, uh, get, get like, you know, we know he was forced out. He didn't resign. Uh, my understanding so. is that he had some family he really wanted to spend more time with. Um, oh, oh, interesting. He, oh, okay. I thought he did a victory lap. I've done everything I came here to I, do. He, re- he decided good to hands. retire. Uh, <laughs> really? Wow. Good for yeah. him. Yeah, good for yeah, him. Yeah. yeah. You know? Okay. Yeah, that's a, that was really nice. You know, maybe, you know, maybe I got him wrong. Then he's a family man. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> uh, I think this is going to be interesting to see how this continues to develop and uh, how you know. <laughs> how they try to pull themselves out of this completely unforced error, you know, unforced error in every respect. This is literally (laughs) just completely trashing long established trust in their user base. It's wild. It's wild to see how you just crumple up all the trust that you've established over decades in (laughs) one moment. And Uh now you have to crawl back from it. So We'll see if they can, but I think I think that is the first step, right? You have to say the guy at the top is, is no longer making the decisions. These decisions will not be made. So we'll see if that works. 
Absolutely. I mean, or you could do what Activision used to do, and it was have your second in command write a statement that your second in command has <laughs> yeah. to deliver, and then you come out the next day and reprimand your second in command for saying the statement you wrote for her. Yeah, we uh, call that a, a full cotic. You know, no. <laughs> that's a, it's a good it's a good move. It's a good move if you can pull it off. Ridicello was like, "Why did no one? I, come why on, no Lieutenant, I not think of that. Yeah, who wants to take the fall? <laughs> yeah." Um, well, you guys have left me uh, a, a couple of interesting stories. I, I'm tempted to talk about the PS5 Slim because we finally got one and it's coming November, but I don't think it's very interesting, to be frank. I think it's just like mildly slimmer and okay, it's going to slowly replace the PS5. It's and... been working hard for those pounds, though, Jeff. Don't be mildly slimmer. No, you're right. It's been working out five you're days right. a week. It's it's been planking. Right. It's been planking like so 10 much. Ten pounds a month. That's really good. Losing yeah. ten pounds a month is really good. <laughs> that is really good. That's a lot of planks. Yeah. Um, what I, I want to talk about for oh, my go story. Ahead, go. Sorry. Go, if you want to comment on that, you're more than welcome. I was I was just going to really briefly kind of you know rope this into the other two stories. Like the the fact that they're charging more for the digital version, the four hundred and fifty dollars versus four hundred, and then also like I don't know if you guys were following the whole uh, PS5 digital monopoly on their in their digital store um but this is something that has been developing over the, the years too same deal the encrapification of sony mm. and uh i you know i, I don't want to launch too much into it but again it's just like clearly they're trying to somehow squeeze more money out of us for a for a slim that is that manufacturing is definitely cheaper the shipping is definitely cheaper but they're charging more and then, like, you know, charging us for a stand and stuff like that. So, to me, that's this is in the same vein that we're talking about. I I think you're right. And you're right to point it out. Uh, and yeah, I, it's just yeah, a bummer. It is a bummer. Yeah, it is a bummer. It. That's all. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, please. No, but then I'm we will you... be locked into digital-only purchases with stores that don't offer meaningful sales and licenses that can be revoked because we don't have any physical. This it's it's a win for everybody. I don't know how this is. <laughs> yeah, possible. you sound yeah. like John Riccatello. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> oh no, no. <laughs> All right. Well, well I'm Unity's do... calling. Hold on, it's Unity. Hold on. Yeah, I got it. Uh-oh. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> oh well, I guess this is Christian's last episode. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about a story that uh, actually made me feel good uh, in, a go. way, yeah, in a way, in a way. It's also kind of weird, but it's, it's, it's cool. I like it. I'm excited to tell you about Reddit user Doom Zero, who shared on the aforementioned Reddit this week that they played Starfield uh, to the end of stars, to the end of all the stars. The Starfield has been fielded. All the stars have been fielded. Doom Zero, ladies and gentlemen, we heard before Starfield came out, all the ramp up, the years of anticipation and excitement that I got excited about, and I think everybody did, uh, this notion that it is just an unfathomably large amount of universe out there, over a thousand planets to go out and survey and check out with all kinds of different flora and fauna that you can check out in, in uh, Starfield, and my experience is, yes, wow, it is massive and huge and fun. There's all kinds of interesting worlds to set foot on. And even when there's not quests to be done there, there's cool stuff. Well, Reddit user Doom Zero took that boasting as a challenge and has conquered the entire Starfield. Doom Zero says they have surveyed, fully surveyed. And if you've played Starfield, you know that fully surveying even one planet 
is not a small amount of things to do. You have to get all of the resources, all all, all of their uh, all the different ores and and uh, chemical compounds that are on that planet. You have to scan them. You have to scan all the flora and fauna. Sometimes different parts of the planet have different sections. You have to pick, you know, fly in your spaceship and go into a different section. It's a whole to do. Well, Doom Zero has surveyed every planet in Starfield, a total of 1,694 planets. Every. <laughs> That's a lot. I'm not that's a lot of planets. Oh, I man. thought Bruce, that was a not impressed. I thought you were no, like, no, 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 no. That's the I, I like. I was I, that noise was. I can't believe this dude did this. Yes, <laughs> you know, like. Uh, so Doom Zero evidently played Starfield for 200 hours. Of that 200 hour playtime, 180 of that was just surveying planets. The other 200, the other 20 hours was. Uh, Shooting their gun, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Who knows? <laughs> the 180 hours it took to survey 1,694 planets. Uh, according to Doom Zero, the biggest challenge they faced was uh, with all the different kinds of fauna that there are to discover. Quote, there can be flying creatures and small beetles that you need to find. The most difficult one was learning that there are actually aquatic creatures to be scanned in the ocean biomes, and those can only be accessed by landing in that area, uh, in an area that has a coast descriptor attached to it. And the other thing I realized early on was how important all of the scanning skills were going to be. Uh, Doom Zero spoke of how vast it could all feel, and it was overwhelming, but said that it was, quote, uh, said this, quote, some of my favorite places that I surveyed were moons that may have only had a couple of resources on them, but they were extremely close in proximity to large planets, and the entire landscape was just a visual of that planet on the horizon. So it sounds like Doom Zero enjoyed this process, but Bruce, I'm wondering what your re reaction to it is. I, I guess, you know, it's like Mount Everest. If it's there, someone's going to climb it, right? This, this achievement was, was waiting for someone to tackle it. 1,694 planets. What do you think? I, I, honestly, the, the, when I read this article a few, week, a few days ago, I was like, 180 hours isn't that bad. Like this <laughs> yeah. guy was kind of blasting through. Like I, I really thought that he would, you know, this was going to take you a thousand hours or whatever. Yeah. Um, but 180 ain't bad. That's something that probably we could all do over the course of a year. You know, like that's Just not feels bad. Like it, I wonder, we've all played Starfleet. We've all surveyed planets. I, I guess it's, I guess it's fun, but I think at a certain point you would just, it would get a little mind numbing, I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you also can, you can kind of get lucky, uh, depending on where you land on a planet, because there are research towers that will automatically right. scan and survey the planet yeah. if you find them. Um, so he probably happened upon a few of those too, it, you know, but then like, yeah, mind numbing is absolutely the right way to put it. If you'd had to go and get a beetle over and over, like, Oof. oh, that just sounds like a nightmare. But hey, maybe he loved it. <laughs> maybe he had a great time. Uh, 180 hours is nothing. As someone who sat down last night, as of the night of that we're recording this, I was like, I want to watch a cool horror slasher flick. Hopefully, one I haven't watched before, if not one that I haven't seen in 20 years. And then opened all my streaming apps, scrolled through their garbage UI, closed them all 30 minutes later, and just went to bed because I was like, this is terrible. Um, I could see how doing that in Starfield is a far better experience than yeah. most of us do yeah. <laughs> every night yeah. scanning for resources, throw on a podcast, load into your ship, head off into the unknown. That sounds all right. That sounds all right. 
I agree. I'm impressed. I mean, I think uh, it's one of those things where as soon as they said it's so big, no one's going to do it. Somebody was like, oh, I'm going to do it. That's <laughs> the same thing that... I said. <laughs> yeah. Stop. Nothing. Uh, <laughs> hats off to Doom Zero. Uh, I'm impressed. I think that's a really cool thing. And it's, it's you know, it's indicative of the the culture around video games now, which is you don't just play a game to, to, to do what the game asks you to do. And I guess Starfield is one of those games that is an open palette and letting you, you know, an open canvas, I should say, letting you play with its uh, world and however you like. But I think, I, I don't know, I, I love hearing about interesting things like this where people, you know, like the guy, there's a guy who uh, leveled to level cap in, in wow by only picking flowers like that's the only thing they did and it took like <laughs> a million human lifetimes or something ridiculous <laughs> you know it was like ridiculous amount of time but they were like i you get you know you get like 12 xp from picking flowers and it you know it ramps down from there as you level up <laughs> and they just decided i want to pick flowers to level cap and then they went and did it and then you know what i gotta tip my hat to that i think that's cool yeah i agree um this is a there's been a lot of Starfield negative press just recently. I think people are sort of maybe souring on the game a little bit, whereas it was there was pretty it was pretty positive when it came out. Um, this game is is a super beautiful game. I really I and I I feel like if you're doing this surveying thing, uh, it would be really neat just to sort of fly around and and get to see all those different vistas. Yeah, uh, it sounds it just sounds really peaceful and nice. Yeah, I mean that's kind of a, that's a great way to look at it. I love Doom Zero is the only person that's seen. Every vista, everything that that game has to offer visually. That's it's, mm-hmm. they're pretty wild. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, at least we got to talk about something that wasn't. <laughs> Corporations oh, making I, money. Yeah. I should <laughs> say that Doom Zero is actually John Riccatello. I uh, looked <laughs> oh, up his. <laughs> you got us again, Riccatello. Come on again. <laughs> he's going to charge Riccatello us for every role. <laughs> he's going yeah, to charge us for every planet, right? Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we got a lot of huge games to talk about, so let's get right into it and uh, transition to the playlist. Bruce, I know you're always playing tons of stuff. Uh, what is on your playlist lately? Yeah, uh, lots of video games. I haven't gotten to Lords of the Fallen yet. That'll be tomorrow. Um, but... Uh, just randomly a friend of mine i saw fire up uh the demo for a robocop game i don't know if you guys have yes. heard about this. Yeah. yeah i mean amidst everything else steam next fest is also happening and i that's was, right i logged on and it was just like oh there's like 60 demos i want to try and then yeah. I, just, I just logged off and i was like that'll be next week's job <laughs> i played i played a bunch um of those demos and uh, awesome. a lot of them are very very good but this robocop game uh is super awesome i i they may be charging a little much for this game i think it's like a 50 dollar game or 60 dollar game but it's like exactly what you want from a robocop game meaning it's robocop like punching dudes into oblivion <laughs> grabbing them and throwing them out windows um you know like shooting their their dicks off like it's it's great it's like it's <laughs> it's awesome but also he he literally has to do missions in the police station where he's like issuing tickets to people as they will walk up. So like somebody walks up and asks where their son is. And then RoboCop literally types on the computer and he goes, <laughs> and he's, he's, this is what he says. This is kind of a spoiler, but he, this is what he says. He looks at the, the lady and says, your son was found dead two hours ago. Oh no. And she goes, what? 
And he goes, I'm sorry. And then it says objective completed. Like it's, it's awesome. It is awesome. It is exactly what you want. Uh, the, I think it's, uh, I forget the name of the developer. Um, they, they've made a Terminator game and they're, and like, they're well established in these like nineties and eighties games, but they've nailed the tone of, uh, of RoboCop here. Uh, it, it, it's, it's very, very fun. I played all four and a half, five hours of the demo and I can't wait to play more. It looked based on the trailers that we've seen, it looks like a very pretty game too. Like really it is. Uh, sharp looking. Yeah. I, I think honestly, RoboCop looks great. I th- uh, the cities look great. The people you talk to don't look great. <laughs> they're, they're those models are a little, a little, a little iffy, but again, that's sort of the charm of it. You know, yeah. like, um, I think that's what makes this game charming is it doesn't, it doesn't feel you know, like it's like trying to be a little bit of a cyberpunk, but it's not anywhere as close to beautiful as cyberpunk. Right. Uh, but it's really fun. Um, and I think you may enjoy it. If anything, if you don't buy the game, make sure you watch streams and, and videos uh, because it's going to be hilarious. Yeah. Is, is it kind of like a throwback uh, to old like Bullet Storm or even, you know, Duke Nukem or anything like that? Is it kind of like a trying to kind of recapture that? Maybe a little bit. I honestly think this is this is like what they would, this is a Paul Verhoeven film translated to game. Like That's really awesome. they, they did it. They really did wow. it. Like the writing is, is almost exactly what you would imagine. Uh, and then every, you know, every encounter devolves into him having to shoot everybody. Right. But, it, but it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and it's like a super fun little open world, I guess, open area game. You get to walk through and again, grab people, throw them into other people. Uh, they're, they're, you, you can pick up like, you know, CRT monitors and they explode and it, it's great. <laughs> there you go. Robocop. And you can check it out on uh, Steam Next Fest now. Along That's with free. A ton of other really cool looking games. I'll be talking about a lot of those next week. Uh, I'm I'm excited to dig into some of the cool demos that are that are dropping right now. But you've also been playing uh, a game I know Christian is, was very high on as well. Uh, the Phantom Liberty expansion for Cyberpunk 2077. Oh, absolutely. Um, Christian... Did you enjoy Cyberpunk when it first came out? I'm curious. I was mixed. I thought okay. it was ambitious. I I didn't mind the shooting. I kind of liked that frenetic action. It ran well, <clears throat> excuse me, on my on my computer at the time, so I didn't have those problems, but it was a little too edge lord or cringy. I I didn't need to see all of the paraphernalia in every shop that I went into and I had my issues with it certainly when gotcha. it came out. Gotcha. Yeah, no, okay. I, I was curious just because, like, it's always fun to hear people's different experiences. Like, Jeff, I don't know, did you play uh, Cyberpunk at launch, and did, I did. you enjoy it at launch? Yeah, no, I, I bounced off of it pretty pretty hard at launch. I, I played a oh, fair okay. amount of it, but I did not finish the game, and I um, I had a similar experience to Christian, but I, I actually didn't really enjoy the pure mechanics of the game either. I, I was really hoping it was going to be more uh role playing and and it, a lot of the upgrades that they seem to have put into the game now with actually having cool builds and and stuff like that is I found to be pretty lacking in the original release so I I I bounced off of it pretty hard yeah it's it's interesting just that re- I I love asking people this question just cuz for me I vibed with it immediately like it was like one of those things there it it ran on my computer because I literally upgraded my computer for the game and uh and I remember playing it loving it and going to Twitter and tweeting, man, I can't, oh, Cyberpunk's so great. And then people just, you know, crapping all over me because <laughs> it was bad on console and a lot of other stuff. So yeah. uh, I've been playing this game at every major update for the last, what is that, three years almost? Um, and 
I am so impressed every time this game comes back with another update and the 2.0 update with Phantom Liberty. It's it, this is like, in my opinion, as good as a Skyrim. Like this is a game you're gonna you could run through for 500 hours, just run around and do like you said, do a, a bunch of different builds. Um, you know, experience all of the different side quests. The Phantom Liberty DLC is amazing. Uh, it's a, just the most beautiful game, maybe one of the most beautiful games I've ever played. So, I this is the perfect time to play Cyberpunk. It's perfect. So I agree. I I will speak vaguely to it because I don't want to spoil it for anyone. But I have kept going back to it after rolling credits on Phantom Liberty, and I now rolled credits on the new ending for the main game that became available when Phantom Liberty came out. Uh, it blew me away. Like I, I hope that there are people out there that play it that own that that is their first main game ending because I think it's very brave. I think it trusts the players in a really cool way, and I think it's one of the most unique endings or experiences to any game I've had. I think it's up there with um, Starfield. Again, I'll speak vaguely. Starfield handles its end, I think, in a really brilliant way. And this, I love that CD Projekt Red was like, we're going to add a new ending to the main game that some people might see first, <laughs> you know, and other people might not never see. But I think it's a really nice compliment to, I only had one other ending before. I know that I think they're like five, but I think it's a nice compliment to that world that they've built in terms of, of what that story is for V. I was blown away. I got to get to that game. I got to make time for that game. I know that the the release schedule is not letting up anytime soon. I mean, we got Mario and Alan Wake coming, and it's just it's just a nonstop onslaught, uh, nonstop onslaught of <laughs> of games. Um, but uh, I got to make time for that because everybody keeps talking about it so highly, and I just haven't been able to fit it in. But um, I'm glad to hear that uh, it worked for you and continues to work for you as somebody who even liked yeah. it originally. I think it has staying power. So I think you can fire up this game next year or the year after and you'll enjoy the hell out of it. I, I, awesome. I don't think it, yeah, I don't think you're going to have to like, if you, you know, there's going to be a slow year, like probably 2024 is going to be a slow year for games because 2023 is just exploding. Um, then fire it up and I think you'll really enjoy it. I think you'll have a great time. Yeah. I've waited three years already. So might why as well not? wait a little. <laughs> yeah. Why not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. So uh, Christian Spicer, uh, it's time for us to dig into Marvel's Spider-Man because you and I both uh, got the game early from Sony. Uh, they provided us with codes, uh, and we have both completed the game um, on PlayStation 5, uh, which is exclusive too. So I guess that goes without saying. Um, and uh, I'm curious, as someone like me, who was a huge fan of the previous two Insomniac Spider-Mans, uh, Spider-Man and uh, Miles Morales, I believe, was one of those our game of the year, our show's game of the year? I want to say the first one was. That's Maybe? a pretty safe guess, but I, safe I did guess. not look. I did not do that prep for this episode, but that's a safe May guess. If it sure. wasn't, it, it was darn close, because we both went gaga for that game and for Miles Morales. Uh, now, Spider-Man 2, uh, you play as both Peter Parker and Miles Morales in alternating moments of the game. It is a single player experience, but you can hop back and forth between Peter and Miles and the main campaigns, uh, big story intersects those characters and they are uh, doing uh, uh, along with Mary Jane Watson there. They are the centerpiece of the story. What do you think Christian? Is it a worthy successor to two very excellent games? So 
implied earlier, I want to explicitly say this is going to be a spoiler-free review for Marvel's Spider-Man 2. We will do a spoiler chat that will be its own thing in your RSS that you'll see. Uh, So don't worry. There will be no spoilers here. I think that off the top, this trilogy, which I'm going to include Miles Morales as a, I know it's kind of that sequel expansion type game, but I think this trilogy of Marvel Spider-Man 1, Miles Morales, and now Spider-Man 2 is the best superhero trilogy game franchise that has come out so far. To me, it tops the Arkham franchise. And a lot of that- Which is high praise from you because that's one of your favorite games of all time. Also were several of my games of the year, I'm sure, favorite of the year, the years they came out. I think what, what puts this trilogy and this franchise ahead, and so much of it is done also now on the back of Spider-Man 2, is the technical prowess that Insomniac is firing on. This game feels PlayStation 5 only. It feels next-gen in terms of the loading, the fast traveling, the mechanics that come into play that take, it seems, you know, full advantage of what the PlayStation 5 has to offer. The characters, Craven is, I mean, you've seen the trailers in-game, just incredible. And it goes from cutscene back into gameplay in a way where there were times where I was like, oh, I, I got to pick my controller back up. Like, I'm playing. It's, I mean, it is that flawless between watching and playing it and the cinematic moments while you're playing. It continues that trend that they started in the first game of bringing those cinematic finishers and flourishes. And even when it's not a finishing move, the fluidity in which you're able to move around the environment um, and, and in this combat, it feels cinematic. You know, it, it brings you in for those hard hits, but yet is wide enough for you to have the mobility in these spaces and to tackle it with a character like Spider-Man, I am just continually impressed. And this game features one of my favorite set piece moments of any game I've ever played. I I, I don't know if I can go back in time and be like, how does this compare to the Jeep chase of Uncharted 4 in that moment for me? But now in 2023, this moment for me now as it exists, it is my favorite gaming set piece that I've ever experienced And what is, again, happening technically in those moments, coming in and out from different scenarios, inside a building, outside a building, sitting on top of Avengers Tower and looking across the river and knowing that I can go to Brooklyn. There's not going to be a single load time, for visible load time that I perceive unless I choose to fast travel. And all of these moments as golden hour is coming down and I'm pulled from an... uh, you know, a open world stop a crime moment right into a set piece moment. And even those open world moments where another character, you know, Miles or Peter shows up to aid in those things and the world chatter. There is so much richness that I feel like Insomniac has crescendoed to this game based off the other two. Can you absolutely incredible? Can you vaguely reference what the set piece you're, you're mentioning is just so I know? Uh, I texted you about it. Oh, you did? Man, it's funny. I'm not just so, so, so the listener knows I am not privy to this at all. I haven't played Spider-Man 2 at all. I don't have an early copy. So now you guys have got me just stoked for that. I can't wait. I, I And I, I'm playing. I have a 120 hertz screen I'm playing in the 40 frames per second, you know, VRR mode with all the, the fanciest ray tracing. I think it's incredible that it pre-launched with that you know like not only was that ready at day one it was when we were sitting here playing it and 
I, I, I just love these characters. You know, you, Jeff, you say you're a Marvel zombie from way back. I love Spider-Man. I have my symbiote suit, uh, sideshow collectible. Get, oh, get it out of there. Oh, sorry. No, you... on, on, on right no, now. No, no, no. Bad no. idea. <laughs> Jeff, let me finish. You always interrupt me. No. You think this show's about you. Hey, it's Tom Hardy. Oh. <laughs> um, it's, it's so, you know, I'm biased to this character. All of that said, Jeff, Bruce, and listener, the back fourth, or I should also say, I haven't platinumed the game, but I feel like I have everything but. I think my character, when I last texted you, Jeff, I think I was 55. I'm past that now, like 50 level, character level 57, whatever. I've done every, world credits and then played another 10, 15 hours in this game. Um, the back quarter or the back fifth of the story I actively disliked. Oh, interesting. Actively, actively disliked. People might love it. It's not for me. Comics fans will recognize parts of it and they might love it. Those comics aren't for me. And then the other nit that I have about it, Jeff, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. The other nit I, I'd hear about, I have about the game, have continued in the franchise. And I, I understand why they're there for pacing. Um, because you, you can't just be swinging and kicking butt all the time for 50 hours or 30 hours, or whatever, you know, you end up spending with the game, but there's a reason why the moments when you're not in suit swinging and butt kicking are never in any of the trailers because they're not what sells this game. No one right. looks at those in the first Spider-Man game as you're playing as MJ or as you're walking around as miles uh, and miles Morales solving puzzles they're not great i understand for pacing and i think there are some great character moments there but playing them i was never like yes woo! miles <laughs> about to solve another puzzle here we go baby. It, it's not fun it's not fun so i wanted to say all the high praise and get bruce jazzed first instead of doing my usual here are my nits now let me sing its praises yeah i love this game dislike the back quarter fifth of the story a lot and found those change of paces to be there has to be a better way but insomniac i don't think has found it just yet oh, i hate it when i agree with you christian i hate it when i agree with you i uh, also want to state that this is one of the greatest video games ever made uh, on a on a uh, on a just skill level on a and a prowess of delivering a an experience to a player insomniac is basically competing with themselves at this point 100 and i don't think they surpassed themselves i think this is of the three spider-man games my least favorite which is like saying it's the worst cupcake of the lot like it's still a cupcake this pizza, this pizza is terrible jeff you ate the whole thing and it was a extra I large three Indeed. slices this was my <laughs> least favorite slice i devoured <laughs> all of them and i had a, they were delicious yeah but i like those first two slices a little bit more this is a, a tremendous achievement of a video game it is a tremendous achievement the the combat is absolutely sublime I think the first Spider-Man game was getting to great combat. Miles Morales got to great combat. And this has like made the combat utterly perfection. It, it, the, I think the it is skills than, in addition to abilities. 
Yes. Awesome. Yes. The the upgrade path is much better than in the previous games. The, the just the pure like improvisational joy of taking down dozens of enemies at a time. This is something that the Arkham games pioneered and used to do best. I think Spider-Man <laughs> has surpassed it. I agree. Um, it, is, it is absolutely joyous to just wade into overwhelming odds, swing back and forth between enemies, shooting off gadgets and super skills that are recharging just in time and healing myself and then doing a finisher. And then all of that symphony of Spider-Man-ness, Spider-Mania is... <laughs> there's it's unparalleled it is superlative and i will also say the storytelling is very good it is just the the manner in which the story is conveyed and how much time they take setting things up and getting you to care about these characters nothing is shortcutted well that's not true some things are but the relationships aren't the relationships aren't you really, it takes the time to like let you stroll with, you know, with these characters and like see a relationship between Peter and Mary Jane and, and see the relationship between Miles and his mom and and other relationships that I don't go into for spoilers. But and I would say Genki's great in this game and it's not underserved. Like, I think Genki's underserved, underserved. But, but when on, I thought was awesome. Like I like yeah. how a talking head could have character, you know, and like be and, part and, of the team. And, and I love the fact that. They take the time. They slow burn something that everybody who's seen the marketing knows is coming, right? Slow burn it hard. And and I think it's really lovely moments building up and getting, you know, really feeling for these characters. And honestly, they're at this point now where, like, a new sequel to a Spider-Man game is really, for me, more about what's the next beat in the story than it is... What's the cool new feature they're going to add to the game mechanically? Because, and I think that's an amazing thing. Like that's, that's not something that most franchises can rely on because unfortunately it is still true in my opinion that video game storytelling is, tends to be the second tier thing in priority level, right? Oh, I completely agree by the way, completely agree with that. Thanks. Um, I, I feel I felt that way about you know the Uncharted games where it's like I'm I'm tuning in not Careful. because I'm excited about what's the next thing Careful. that Nathan Drake's going to be. I completely <laughs> no, no. agree, Jeff. I could yeah. talk about this for hours. By the way, oh, feel free to chime in. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I've no, lost no, you no. Both. I've lost you both. That's our show. <laughs> no, 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 Christian. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not criticizing. I, you, I hear know, me out. I know, I'm saying Uncharted is like that too, where it's like I'm not tuning in to see what's the next cool thing that Nathan Drake can do in his arsenal of things to do whereas i hate to say it but it's true i am playing the next halo game because this one has a grappling hook that's cool right. yeah. i don't care what happens to master chief and i know there are people who do i'm just talking about my subjective opinion i don't play halo for the storytelling i don't play most games for the storytelling and it's awesome to be playing a franchise for the storytelling because I'm excited to find out what's going on with Peter and Miles and the surrounding cast. And they do a very, very good job. That said, I would go farther than you, Christian, and say it's the last third of the game. Oh, wow. There is, there are two main villains in this game. 
And there is a transition point between them. And after that transition happens, I think the game gets significantly worse. And it's still an amazing game. And I'm still having a blast and I still finished it. But the first two thirds of the game are so tight and awesome and make sense and hold together. And there's tension and there's all this great stuff. And then the thing we all know is coming comes and it just isn't, it gets a, it it doesn't work. And I think there's a tension between what a superhero story wants to establish, which is a singular villain being fought by our heroes and what a video game requires, which is Dozens and dozens and dozens of enemies to take on. Right. There's a tension there. Uh, and I think this game really tries to reckon with that and try some creative solutions. I don't think the second half of the, or the, the last third of the game, the solution is very good. And I also think th- one of the ways it tries to deal with that is like these really prolonged, intense boss fights that... We're right on the verge for me of being like, this is too much. It's too much. It it goes on too long. Um, you know, bosses will have four, five, even six phases to beating them, which is an entire health bar, right? And this could be a whole other episode of feeling this, actually, Christian, is I don't like, I just defeated your entire health bar, cutscene. New health bar, brand you new, have four, fresh. You have four. You have four. Dots I know below about your the dots. Bar, I know How many about dots the dots. Do you you got to have dots below you. I know bar. about the dots. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, you must hate uh, from software games. <laughs> I don't. I, I tend not to play them. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah, yeah. that's what that is. Yeah. Yes, I I understand. Um, no, no. By the way, psychologically, I'm not crazy about them either. Just so you know. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, we're on the same page. I, I played psychologically. Them, I, it 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 bothers. Psychologically, I'm like, I feel like I did something. And now you, I also feel like you just went, no, you didn't do anything. You didn't do anything. You, you thought you did something, but you didn't do anything. I, I don't know. Psychologically, it doesn't feel great. That's a minor nit. The bigger nit, one of the things, this game is kind of not afraid to be goofy. It's frequently goofy. Like, Christian, would you agree with that? Like, it does goofy stuff. I, I mean, I will not, there is. <laughs> we'll talk about it in spoilers, but. The, yeah, there there are lines that I can't tell if they're goofy or they're just. But like it asks you to tone, do goofy stuff. Like it, it, it <laughs> there's there, you know there's some things in that that are like endearingly goofy, and then there's yes. other things where it's like, why am I doing this? like this game? You can correct me if the previous Spider-Man games had this, and I'm just not remembering it. I don't remember it being just a wash in mini games. This game has so many mini games in it. There, there were, but this, the, the variety of these feel more. I mean, even Miles Morales had like go collect sound samples, and you like, I yeah. just saved the day. Now it's like, do, 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 do. oh, that sound, I can use that in a beat, and it's like Miles, you would not. Okay, tap this beat to collect that sound. To, uh. At a certain point, it's like, <laughs> at a certain point, it felt to me like the game wasn't confident enough in its own prowess, and I'm like, I'm like. Do you even know how hot you are, game? Do you even know how hot? Just be, just be yourself. It's so good. You're, like, you it's don't so even know how, much you're, how hot you are. <laughs> just be you. Don't try to be something you're not. 
Because you're <laughs> you're hot. You're everybody wants you. And like when it's doing its thing, there's nothing better. But it constantly is. It it like you. It, it felt to me like it was constantly afraid of losing my attention and constantly had to give me some new weird thing to do. And I'm like, I don't need all of those things. I like you just how you are. But at yeah. least they didn't give you a spider mobile and have you play a third of the game in your spider mobile. Because I mean, Batman, I think, suffered through that same problem, yeah, that right. same design of like, we have perfected this thing. How do we raise the bar on the next one? Everybody's like, just tell us the story. Let us do more of this. And they're like, what if we gave you a Batmobile? I mean, I guess that'd be cool, but it's not going to change how we traverse the world, is it? It will. Uh, <laughs> it will and, force it. Will force you you to do it. That's the other thing. That this a, game. This game forces some things on you. That's like I, I like a I like a parry. I like a parry. A parry is fun. I mostly uh, I, I mostly prefer dodges to parries. But then the the game is like no 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 no. You're gonna have to parry, bro. You, we 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 force you to. We force you to. We force you to do stealth stuff sometimes. And it's like, I don't, but I want to choose to do the stealth stuff. And they're like, no, there's a whole levels where you just have to do it. Sorry, you have to. It's like, but must I? Yes, you must. Okay. I want to say another really positive thing about this game that is extraordinary and is a design triumph, in my opinion. And that is for a massive open world game that has so many different kinds of quests so many different, you know, it is that thing that Christian, you often complain about with Ubisoft games, where if you open the map, it is riddled with dots, riddled with points of interest and quests, things to do. However, I almost never open the map in this game. Almost never, because you don't have to. It is extraordinary how they have managed to create visual notifications of what is going on in the city simply by swinging and flying over it. The, each of the quests has a different kind of effect on the city that is represented graphically, but contextually, it's not like there's a giant icon sticking out of like, here's an arrow for a quest. Instead, the buildings have changed in some way. The, the, you know, there's a, there's a glowing light because there's a collectible that lets off light. It's like in context of how it would actually be. And just by swinging through the city, I'm going, oh, there's something over there that I can do. Oh, I know that's a hideout I can bust because of how the city is communicating that rather than most games, which make me go into a menu and go, oh, there's something nearby. It's a triumph of design which more games need to learn from and contextually show me that stuff. It doesn't make the city look weird and it actually works in, in the, the framework of the city. It doesn't feel like, Oh, video game, video game. It really does still feel like New York city, but there are these subtle visual visual cues that let me know what quests are where. And it's awesome. It's amazing. They, and also I think the, um, the, uh, the, the wing suit stuff, it's pretty, pretty cool. It, it's, I really liked it. I mean, I think I they agree. stealth could have made us... This, this is the blueprint for a Superman game. Like, you're Agreed. not flying as fast as Superman might fly, but... Except it has to be effortless for Superman, and part of the fun is that it's not effortless for Spider-Man, you know? Yeah. But, but they, um, I think they've proven out how you could do it. Again, Insomniac, I feel like they have... Going from 
you know, a, a great game of its time, but the Spider-Man PlayStation one game, you know, way back when, when it's like fog everywhere to this game where you are flying or zipping through a city with no digital foundry might do a video that should like, look at this, this antenna pops in. But for my eyes, no noticeable pop in or jank or stutter. It's just like, I am here. I'm going to go where my family and I got ice cream in Brooklyn and I'm going to do it in real time and go there and everything just, it's incredible. One of the things you, you unlock fast travel to different districts of New York, different sections of New York uh, in this game, which I don't think is how it worked in the previous ones, but I, I never used it, never used it because it's just fun to get around. It's fun to get around. And the one place, the one thing that the Spider-Man games was always a little bit of a bummer is when you start swinging over Central Park and it's like, ah. There's no buildings. Ah, this is annoying. I fell on the ground. <laughs> They've fixed that by giving you a wingsuit. So now you just wing your way and you can hitch a ride on these cool gusts of air that shoot you even faster. And it's like just getting around is a blast. Fighting is a blast. The story is mostly good except for the ending. And, you know, the last third, I, or, yeah, I would say. Uh, and again, these are kind of like minor nits to what is really one of the most entertaining video game experiences available. It's just like, you got to kind of compare it to previous Spider-Man games. Cause that's the only, the only thing in its, in its league at this point. And I just don't think it lives up to the previous two games, but not, not by a lot, like not in the, I wouldn't recommend you play it way. I would say miles Morales is my, I'd probably go miles Morales. This the first Spider-Man. That'd probably be my really. Miles my, is just so tight. Mine is Miles the first Spider-Man than this. Yeah, yeah. But but well, they're all just cr- incredible. Oh. And Man, I'm so, I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have so a blast. It's so much I fun. Wait. I can't um, wait. The other thing I need to say, and this may be again, we we played the game. It still hasn't come out yet. We're talking about it. We played the game completely before it was released. So there may be a day one patch that addresses some of this. But I should say. It hard crashed on me three times. Hard crashed. And then there were other glitches that I ran into. I don't think that has ever happened with a PlayStation 5 game where it literally crashed to the OS and said, this app will not, cannot continue full crash to OS. It happened three times. One of the times it was a really annoying, like middle of a boss fight where I'm like, ah, oh, come on. Um, so hopefully that gets fixed. It's, I know, Christian, you had some crashes as well, right? I did. Mine were never in an... I had a, a, two crashes over, you know, whatever, how many hours I've played with this game so far. But they all felt... It, it feels weird to say, like, they were good crashes compared to what I'll talk about my 2 out of 10 here in a little bit. Uh, other crashes and other... Like, in the year of 2023, this game is competent, beyond competent. Uh, but yes, I also did have crashes, but... Maybe I'm more forgiving of them than I otherwise should be. They were not in the middle of a boss fight. I had to restart the thing and I was right back where I was. Would it be better without them? Yes. I don't want to like, you know, wash my hands and say it's fine like this. Um, But another game I loved was Jedi Survivor. And I still love that game. And I had a way harder time (laughs) playing Jedi Survivor. Fair enough. (laughs) Yeah, I just wanted to mention it because it is it is frustrating. And it is something I have not seen from a a major PS5 release where literally the game just blue screened of death to me, you know, which is, is just pretty hardcore. Um, all right. 
So that's Spider-Man 2. Again, we're going to do a full spoiler discussion. It'll go to patrons first. Um, but I'm excited to talk in detail about the story with you, Christian. Because like I said, the story is, I think, the selling point here. I mean, the, the combat is wonderful. The, the traversal is wonderful. The playing of the game is great too. But it really is telling the next chapter in this very specific version of of this these characters, which I love how they've carved out their own little world of Spider-Man, their own version of these events, who has lived and who has died from the previous games, you know, carries over, the story carries over. It's all, it's, it, you know, we've even seen Peter sort of get a little bit older over the course of these three games. You know, it's, it's, it's cool. So um, I'm excited to talk about the story with you, Christian, and, and we'll do that uh, very, very soon. And I think a lot of the side missions are very good. There are, uh, not in all of them, but some of them, it's not until you get deep into it. And it's like, oh, there's a boss fight here? Yeah. That It's mm-hmm. like, it doesn't tell you, it's not like start this to go fight Silver Surfer. I'm lying. That's not a real thing. But like, it doesn't tell you like, go do the Silver Surfer missions. But then I'll, I'm going through these, what many games are just these rote side missions. Then I'm like, does anyone else know what's happening? This is a ma- this is a major moment. Like this could have been Spider Man Four. This is just okay. This is a side mission. Here we go. I really enjoy. There's a there's a couple of side missions that are like flashbacks also to yeah. stuff we've never seen in these games that are like happened before the game started that I thought was kind of charming and a cool idea for them to do. Um, so I I think you know Spider- Marvel Spider Man Two is undoubtedly one of the best games of the year. In my opinion, it is an extraordinarily fun, fun experience that delivers a superhero video game experience, like almost unparalleled. You know, we do have nits. We do have nits. All right. Uh, Another big game that came out this week, uh, Forza Motorsport, which I've played a fair amount of. uh, I will note, consistently beat lap times for eMoney TV. I don't know if that's legit or if that's just your drive avatar. But it made me feel pretty good, Christian. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's... I think I have my profile because of reviewing. I think I have all of my stuff not to share. Uh, so I, I would guess Very it's convenient not actually answer. Me, Very convenient. I don't, I don't know. I, I, that I'm going to go ahead my and just keep fear. feeling good about myself. <laughs> please do. Please do. If I can help in any way, I will, I will you know, dog a lap for you, Jeff. <laughs> Uh, we don't need to spend tons of time on it unless you want to, but I, I'm sort of let you take the lead on on that game because you're very much more the sim racing guy than I am. Yeah, I, although I'm I changing think, a little bit. I think Forza Motorsport is a very good game. It is just not the best Forza, nor is it the best console uh, sim esque racing game. Um, I think GT7 for for my likes is a better experience. I have not spent a lot of time in the multiplayer in Forza Motorsport, which I hear is a lot of people's bread and butter and where they're really enjoying this game. I'm going through the campaign mode of it and it feels dry and sterile in a way that I don't, not like gran turismo's dryness which is like you're at a coffee shop and you're hanging and it's here's this jazz and we're going to give you a menu also dry and stick it is weird how that has become this weird the like pervasive tone of these simulators is like it's got to be like smooth jazz and we got to (laughs) really appreciate cars and ooh, isn't a car it's very strange that that's become the default you know which is not the case for horizon which is like 
right. you know, ACDC blaring. Yeah. As yeah, that's I why prefer. I like it. Like, let me ride down yeah. a volcano. Yeah. That's, why, that's why I liked Horizon. Yeah, yes. exactly. I think at this point, for my likes, Horizon is the top tier Forza franchise. And this this doesn't feel like a relaunch of it. This doesn't feel like a you know six years of development. We're coming back without a numbered sequel. This is just Forza Motorsport. And mm. this is the game that does things. It's pretty. It, it it works, but nothing about it has really blown me away. And I haven't really enjoyed the single player progression, which, ooh, I should have had this up and I don't. I apologize, dear listener. Uh, but you're working through it with like car points. And it's like, you've got these car points. Now you can go spend them and you upgrade your car and it holds back things you can do. And I think it's trying to teach you like, hey, you should probably work on suspension before you, you know, turbocharge your engine or something like that. It's I think it's trying to teach you how you would actually mod a car. But for me, it just feels like, great, you did this. Now go in here and push these four buttons, kind of the way mobile games kind of work. Push these four buttons. Great, your car's better. Now go race again. Look, isn't it? Now you're on the next race with a slightly better car. And it doesn't feel like it's educational or rewarding in a, I actually did something. And I really liked Gran Turismo 7's approach of teaching you about these cars. You're going to go drive these Japanese front wheel drive cars and learn about a hot hatch and see how they drive. Now you're going to go drive 70s era muscle cars and this rear wheel drive monster that hangs its tail out on every turn. And you're going to see what that's like. And we're teaching you automotive history and getting you in and out of different cars all the time. And Forza Motorsport isn't doing that and i i find it to be colder and less interesting in terms of the single player progression i will say i played it via geforce now in the cloud with my backbone while my daughter was at softball practice and it's awesome (laughs) like it blew me away to be playing a racing game competitively single player uh via the cloud so i love that Again, thank you, uh, CMA, <laughs> for uh, objecting to this merger and getting us Xbox games, <laughs> not via xCloud and giving us other options. I think it is a competent, Forza Motorsport is a competent sim-esque style racer. I just don't think it's the best, and I don't think it's the lift that maybe Microsoft was hoping for um, in terms of this kind of relaunch of their their Halo uh, driving sim game. I can't Do it. call it the Halo. Come on. <laughs> not when they have a halo. No, they have halo. <laughs> to uh to Christian's point, it's funny because you're you're coming at this from the opposite side. I'm I'm the most casual uh car racing sim player. Like I'll play it for a few hours or whatever and, and be like, cool, I played it. And that's what this this felt like to me is that they were trying to appeal to me. They're like like, okay, uh you can upgrade your car, you can tune it if you want, and you can like, you know, like uh, like you said, change the suspension or whatever, or you can just press this button a couple times and the whole thing is upgraded. And I was like, that's what I want. That's what I, that's why I go to a mechanic. So they tell me how to do it. I don't, right. I yeah. give them the money and then they make the car go. I don't yeah. know. Uh, but that said, the more that I would do this, if I wanted to dive in and get more involved, I don't know that I would feel like this was the good game, the right game for it. Mm. Um, so it was kind of an interesting in between. Whereas Horizon feels like the most casual game, but it's just so much fun. There's just like, it's clearly there's just, it's just passionate and fun that you could just play it forever. And it doesn't matter, you know, oh, I just want a faster car to buy a faster car. That's it. Um, <laughs> you don't need to worry about tuning it up or any of that garbage. So uh, 
I can see what, what you mean. And, and I think everything that you say is spot on coming from the hobbyist side. Yeah, I'm, I think, I, I'm certainly much more ahead. on that side as well. And yeah. I personally, as somebody who is often intimidated by these games, uh, I like the hand holding. Like the, the onboarding of this game is rad for me mm -hmm. because yeah. what it does is you turn, you start it and it doesn't bring you into a menu for a long time. Mm -hmm. It literally just starts a race and is like, hey, that was, a, that was one race, but here's another kind of race. Check that out. Okay, now that you're done with that, we're going to start you on the actual campaign. And here's a practice lap. And here's what your goal is for the practice lap. Okay, cool. You're doing great. Uh, we're going to actually throw you into a real race now. But it's a Grand Prix, so there's going to be three of them. But we'll do a practice round each time. And it's like really hand-holding me into this process which a lot of these games don't. They just dump you in this massive map, and I'm like, I, I don't know. Why can't I yeah. run this race in GT7? Oh, because I don't own the right car. How do I even get the right class of car? For, for me, as an idiot who doesn't know anything about cars or care, uh, I, I'm bewildered often. That said, GT7 has VR, which makes it better, just makes it better. Oh, um, gotcha. And this game needs B VR bad, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. As much as I like it on my super ultra wide monitor, it looks pretty. It needs VR. I will always play GT7 over it because of VR. But I, I actually thought it was pretty cool. I was having a good time beating Christian's times constantly, just ripping his times. And, um, and, uh, you know, I thought like uh, that, that sort of hand holiness that just bringing you in made me, oh, and the fact that it communicates like very, it does a great job of communicating constantly to me about what my goal should be. Like, you're shaving seconds off your lap time. Here's a sh small section of the race. See if you can do better on that small section. Okay, you did. Great. That's probably going to help your lap time. We're going to keep track of all that for you. I just thought, did a really good job kind of breaking things down into digestible chunks for my idiot brain. Again, I think it is a very good game. I just think GT7 is is better in almost every regard. And also when GT7 had that Sophie AI in it, it was just phenomenal. The AI in Forza Motorsport doesn't seem I I humble brag, you know, changed the difficulty quite a bit and that's made it easier. It's a reverse humble brag. I've uh, <laughs> changed the difficulty because I was getting yeah. smoked by Jeff just Yeah, just been just rocking me. Um but the AI, I think it's frustrating. It will break mid apex, which no, you, you know, yeah. no, you don't. And then there was one, I was in, you know, some multi-race championship and thank goodness there's the rewind function because I'm, I'm in the grid, I think at like 12th position or whatever and go and immediately a car rear ends me. And then another car, I don't know, I, <laughs> I watched the replay and they didn't get hit. Another car swung wide and then T-boned me. And I'm like, we're, we're in the starting grid. Like there should not be uh -oh. this much chaos. And so there are moments where I feel like the AI kind of just breaks for a half second. And like, again, breaking mid apex when the car has a clean line coming out and it's a very good game. I just prefer Gran Turismo seven. All right. So let's talk about Lords of the Fallen. Cause you, uh, do I get to use the word play played it? Um, I, I still have to talk about the Quest 3, Christian, so let's, uh, let's okay. uh, dump on Lords of the Fallen for a little while. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be very quick. I got a code for Lords of the Fallen. I did not think it would be my game, Bruce. I have played Bloodborne to credits. I loved Elden Ring. I, I like these games. I liked Lies of P. I did not finish it. But I was excited 
uh, when it got in a code, I wasn't going to buy it to see this, but I was excited to see its time shifting mechanic, puzzle mechanic. I think it's interesting, like the newness it's bringing. And I love Unreal 5 games. I was excited for Unreal 5 tech on my beefy GB. I had an hour to play Lords of Fallen before we recorded. I played zero Lords of the Fallen. I had talk about maybe this is why I'm like Spider-Man two is a dream, Jeff. Like yeah, it only crashed three it, times. It ran, it ran flawlessly. Uh, Lords of the Fallen kept hard crashing for me. Uh, then there was another update. So I went back after that and tried it with that update. And I finally loaded into my character. And I was like, I think I sent Jeff a video after it happened. Uh, then I was like, yes. And I go to play and I pick up my controller and the camera immediately fell into my character. Oh. stayed there and i was like oh. that is it i've given this game over an hour i will try again next week but i need i know what steam reviews are hit and miss of some folks are like trash tier does not work for me i have a good pc and other people are like i've played 40 hours and it's been flawless unfortunately i have played zero but i've tried to play for an hour <laughs> to which i responded to you it's not called lords of the works great <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah yeah all right okay, so stay tuned for christian's ongoing thoughts about lords of the fallen hopefully it gets patched <laughs> um but i want to tell you about another uh let's just say uh foolish purchase i made so let's get into a little bit of vr talk Supposed to happen? Run it back. Run it back. Not supposed to happen. Bruce, uh, you mentioned before we started recording, you're not much of a VR man. Uh, Jeff, right? I, I got to hand it to you, man. You are holding it down for all the VR gamers out there. <laughs> Nobody's playing any VR games right now except for Jeff. And hey. I, it's, it is amazing. I'm going to be on, I'm going to come on this podcast in what, a couple, three, four, four more years. You're going to be playing VR. Have another kid. You can come back on. Bruce. I'm going to have another kid. And you're going to be like, I bought the Quest 6. You're, going to, yeah. you're keeping Zuckerberg in business. And I appreciate it. If, I am nothing so. if not stubborn. Uh, <laughs> and consistent. And consistent. Consistent. Yeah, that's the what I meant. That's the what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yes, I purchased a Quest 3 because even though I am the lone voice out here screaming about VR, they didn't want to send me one. Um, <laughs> but so I purchased it. Don't tell my wife. Um, and I gotta say, it's pretty great. I, you know, oh, oh. listen, you know, guy who loves VR says VR yeah, is good. It's really good. Four at eleven. <laughs> listen, I, I, take it with a grain of salt. Take it with a grain of salt. This is by far the best headset Meta has ever made. I know because I own all of them, <laughs> and uh. Uh, back to the oculus one um it is light comfortable so comfortable more, much more comfortable than playstation vr2 it is a very comfortable headset and i didn't even spring for the the fancy schmancy um strap like they sell you a 70 dollars strap that i did not buy i'm just using the lame wimpy strap that it comes with and it's still super comfortable it's just velcro on your head um and because the headset itself is so light, it does not fatigue me wearing it for long periods of time. I have been wearing it for long periods of time. And the three, the, uh, the full color pass through is a game changer. 
It really is that cool. If you've put on PlayStation VR 2 and seen what happens when you first put it on where you can actually see the room you're in, but it's in black and white, this is that, but in full color. So you're looking at your room in 3D. Does it look as good as I assume the Apple Vision Pro is going to look where it looks like you're actually just looking at your room? No. There's never a feeling of, oh, I'm actually just looking at my room without anything on my face. No. It does look filtered and it does look, you know, a a bit processed. But it's still, you're looking at your room, you're looking down at your hands, you're looking at, you know, you, you can operate the headset. I was checking uh text messages on my phone with it on my face like i could easily read the text message type on my phone like i didn't have to take it off my face which is i know i guess that sounds like a you know damning with faint praise but it, it is an actually kind of rad thing and the the ar applications though they are few they are expanding at a at a high rate and they are very cool christian i know you and i years ago now uh both tried the magic leap and had an ar experience that i think both of us were pretty impressed with at the time right yeah it was i mean it was cool to see robots coming out of your own walls and this is still the experience it's the same experience uh that is the free AR experience that you'll probably want to try right when you get your Quest 3. And it's still awesome. In fact, it's more awesome than the Magic Leap because the fidelity is higher and it's it's much more seamless. But you walk into your room. I was down in the in the basement uh, where my kids play. Uh, and you just kind of look at all the walls in your room and it creates this cool polygonal mesh of it in real time as you're staring at all the walls. And then the roof of your house or in this case the ceiling of my basement pops off a little alien spaceship comes down and little aliens come out and you have a blaster and you start blasting at the aliens and they're bopping around your room jumping on tables and hitting things and like reacting to all the geometry that's already there in your house and they're you're blasting them and as you're blasting them errant shots shots that don't hit the the little they look like kind of like tribbles the tribble trouble star trek episode like free little balls if you don't hit them if you miss and you hit a wall in your room the wall breaks apart and reveals like a space landscape outside so at a certain point i'm just like blasting the walls too because it's breaking (laughs) apart and i'm seeing that it feels like it's just your house is sitting on an alien planet and all you have to do is break the window and you'll see it it's an extraordinary thing. It just feels like magic. It feels, I mean, is it a, you know, fully deep AAA gaming experience? No. Will it probably wow any person you have come to your house and try it? Yes, I think so. It wowed me. I think it's a gobsmacking thing. If you're an adult person who lived in a time when there wasn't technology like this, it will blow your mind. It's just amazing. and. There's all kinds of cool uh, AR applications already. For example, at one point, I put on a YouTube thing on the, using virtual des- desktop. I just put a YouTube video on at, on a virtual screen hanging in space, and I cleaned the basement with the headset on. <laughs> I cleaned cool. up after my kids, but there was a 
there's no television screen in my basement, but there was a virtual one so I could watch this YouTube thing and clean the basement because I could see everything fine. It's just, that's awesome. I think that's yeah. awesome. What's that dad awesome. doing? Don't ask him. He's cleaning. Let him <laughs> let him do it. Whatever he is, it's working. <laughs> I also, I can't wait. Next week I'll talk about this. I There's a piano training app that I bought. Uh, I, we have an old MIDI uh, synthesizer that I bought for my wife like when we first started dating 10 years ago because um, she's like, I want to learn how to play the piano. So I bought her this MIDI keyboard. You can plug the MIDI adapter directly into your headset and it will turn a MIDI keyboard into basically like Guitar Hero, but for piano That's and awesome. teach you how to play piano. Virtu- like I can't wait to try it. I had to buy a new um, a cable, a MIDI to USB-C cable. And so it'll come tomorrow. So next week I'll talk about that. But like, that's the kind of stuff. And there's, you know, games where, you know, you can, there's this game called, or app called Worlds with three O's. That's basically Google Maps. but It pops out of the table in your house, you know? So you can look at a Google Map and and you and your friends can all stand around it and be in this virtual space, but it's, it's in fully 3D, like coming up out of, off the table in your house. And, and there's, you know, games where you can play with little uh, creatures on things. that the, the AR thing is cool, I think. Obviously not for everybody. Some people just think, eh, it's a gimmick. It's not the thing I come to video games for. For me, it's very cool. That said, it's the thing that, v, that VR has been you know, dealing with for a while now, which is there's not tons of content, right? That's not true. There's tons of content. There's not tons of content that people think is must play. There's not a million Half-Life Alexes, right? There's not any Half-Life Alexes on this headset unless you, <laughs> you know, stream it from your PC, which you can. Um, there are, you know, the the big, uh, the big AAA game we're supposed to ship along with this headset is not coming out till December. That's as, uh, as God's wrath too. Um, I'm excited to play that. And there are tons of really cool games out there. I'm still playing pistol whip on, on this thing. Christian, have you played the, the old West campaign? It's great. It's rad. It, how does this compare? Not to be like a full technical breakdown, but I found I don't have this. I'm, a friend bought it, so I'm excited. Hopefully by next week I'll have played with it. But I'm very curious how going back to non OLED feels because I think the uh, Synapse. What was that game on PlayStation VR two that we both raved about? Synapse. That yeah. game was like, oh, this proves OLED's worth. Um, whereas like for Walkabout Mini Golf, it's like, yeah, give me a quest because that right. embodies that. But like, I I think I might have a hard time going back to a non OLED screen at this point on my face i think it looks great i think it looks great you're not tethered like i said i can walk around my my room watching stuff i there's an app called big screen that basically creates a virtual theater and virtual rooms you can hang out with people all around the world in virtual reality as if they're sitting in the same room watching movies with you you can put on a movie you can rent a movie i went into big screen to watch they do 3d movies and they do, you can just watch for free. You can just watch 3D movie trailers. I don't even know how long I spent in there. It was over an hour just watching 3D movie trailers because you can't watch 3D movies anymore. And it's extraordinary. It looks, Christian, so crisp. Like mm. for the first time, because there's not really, a, I mean, maybe there is and I'm not aware of it. 
I was very disappointed that PSVR 2 was not supporting 3D Blu-rays on mm-hmm. the PSVR 2. So I did uh-huh. not attempt to watch. So maybe there's an app, maybe big screen even is available for PSVR 2, and I'm not, I haven't checked. So please don't correct me if I'm wrong. That said, this was the first time in a headset I went, I could watch an entire movie in this. A, because it's comfortable. I'm not tethered to anything. I could get up and walk and go get a snack or go to the bathroom. I don't even have to take the headset off. It's crazy. But also, it, the image was so crisp and beautiful, it felt like I was watching a real movie screen. Now, I turn my head to the left and right, and it's, you know, kind of bad mobile game graphics of the virtual room I'm in. But the actual movie that I'm watching, it's excellent i mean i thought the the image was sublime and the 3d effect is just i mean it's better so much better than any you know Mm -hmm. bad movie theater been worn by 14 people before me crinkly you know like it's gonna be better than that way better brighter sharper it's so that is really cool you're holding it down for 3D and VR. Jeff. I, I mean, I gotta, I really gotta hand it to you here. Like, this is amazing. This is amazing. Like, I want to come to your house because you're selling me on this thing that I'm never gonna spend money on. So you are selling me on it. again. Very stubborn person, me. Um, uh, but yeah, you know, my, one of my favorite movies is Avatar and Avatar Two. I want to see them in 3D. I want to be able to watch oh, yeah, them in 3D. Great. Um, and it's extraordinary. Like, it it really is cool. Now, downsides, right? The things that I still want to play are all the games that we've been recommending for VR for three, four, five years, right? It's Moss 2, it's, you know, Pistol Whip, it's Beat Saber. It, you know, they're, they're, uh, I played Hubris, which is a really cool new, new-ish, new to me uh, game. Um, Red Matter 2 is awesome. And a lot of these games that have been out on Quest 2 look way better on Quest 3. They really do look way better. They've up the frame rates, they've upped the textures on a lot of these games. Um, so it is a more powerful headset, lighter, more comfortable, better image. The, the full color AR pass-through is rad. Like it's a great device, I think. And if you're thinking about, you know, if you're if you're looking at the Apple Vision Pro like I am, you know, it, which costs <laughs> which costs seven of these, right? I, I don't know if this is one seventh as good as it will be. It's certainly not going to be as good, right? Well, I haven't tried it, but I have good friends that have, and they are singing its praises, the Vision Pro, that is. Uh, and I'm anxious. I can't wait. And I think it will be a transcendent experience when I try it. But will it be seven times as good? I don't know. I don't know. Um, this doesn't feel like it's a seventh as good. It feels like it's really delivering on a mass market consumer product. Yes, it's still not super cheap. And yes, it's hard to point at it and go, you got to play these games because many of them are, you know, I, I hate to use the word novelty because I don't see them that way. I do think that they're very cool. It's it, Pistol Whip is an extraordinarily fun thing to play. Beat Saber is super fun. There are awesome adventure games. I Expect You to Die is awesome. There are really cool things to do in these headsets Demio, you know, the list goes on and on. Um, but I think people are waiting for those like Half-Life Alex type experiences. And 
those are fewer and farther between. And so it's hard to, you know, there's no Marvel Spider-Man two equivalent. Right. Um, but I, I don't know. I was very impressed with this device. I think it blows quest two out of the water. Uh, and it, you know, it, it's in a lot of ways compares very, you know, a lot of the ways it kind of trumps the PSVR two, just because they're doing it without a tether. They're doing it, uh, much lighter, much less awkward on the face. Like it's just a very slick, comfortable, easy to use device that you can just pop on and pop off at any time. The con- new controllers are cool. Less, less kind of, you know, they don't have that loop on them anymore. So there's not, it's not as gangly. Um, I don't know. I really like it. There you go. I'm excited to try it. I got to go over to my friend's house. Now that Jeff moved, I got to, I found another <laughs> VR friend. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, I was going to, I was going to say, Jeff, do you live in Los Angeles? I used to. I'm, you got to come to Denver now. Oh, uh, for for VR? Oh boy. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe I, maybe I go somewhere else for, yeah, I'll try it. I've been like, you did a great job. How much is it? $700, $600? No, no. It's uh four ninety nine. Oh, okay. All right. That's not too bad. Um, the quest two was awesome. I got to use the quest two at length and enjoyed it. Uh, I just have yet to find another reason to buy a headset. That's what if they put it in an Iron Man helmet? Oh my God. So cool. Can you imagine that? A VR, a, a VR, uh, headset in an iron, in an Iron Man helmet I was talking about. Oh, dude, they, they've got a, I don't know why they're not already sort of theming. You could buy skins and theme them. They should be doing that stuff. That'd be right. They totally should be. Yeah. 100%. All right. Well, that is our episode, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be talking more about Quest 3. Don't, don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> I didn't know you I wasn't worried. Out. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but Bruce Green, thank you so much for being here. It's always so much fun having you on the show. Thanks. Of course. Thanks so much. Yeah. I know. I, I appreciate the invite again. Um, yeah, I, I will happily come on and chat with you guys about video games. It's, uh, you, you're all, you're so refreshingly positive, but also, um, you're not like super negative. There's a lot of people that I talk to about video games that are just so overwhelmingly negative. And, uh, I, I like Christian's takes because they're right down the middle there. That you know facts to support them. They're, they're you're not dunking on things. So I, I appreciate it. So thank you very much. Well, thanks for saying that. We, I'm only five we... ten, so I can't. You know, I gotta. Yeah, yeah. I can't dunk. I gotta find my find my layups where I can get up. <laughs> I get it. That makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> uh, tell folks where they can keep up with you and all the awesome stuff that you do online, Bruce. Yeah, I'm streaming every day on Twitch. Uh, it's just under Bruce Green. Um, e on the end of Bruce and Green. And then I've got a bunch of YouTube channels. Uh, one of them is called Inside Games, where we do uh, video game news two or three times a week. And then I also have a fun little comedy channel with a few friends of mine called brought you this thing. And that's uh, on YouTube as well. So I'm pretty much everywhere. If you want to see, if you want to see it, you want to check it out. Uh, There's comedy, there's news, there's streams and all sorts of stuff. Um, And I would love for you to come by. Actually, last time I was on the podcast, had a few people come by and be like, Hey, let's do a DLC. And I was like, Oh man, that's awesome. So come by and say hi whenever, whenever you can. Yeah, it was, it was great. Hey, cool. Love hearing that. Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you got going on this week? Newsletter, tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. It's going to be on this every other week cadence. They go out on Fridays. The last one was about too many games and how do we feel about that idea now and kind of this being inundated with, especially in 2023, the quality of of releases we've had. Great feedback there. Awesome replies. 
I get back to everybody. Um, it's been really fun to dive back into that newsletter. So thank you to folks that have checked that out. If you haven't, next one's coming up on Friday. Time for you to jump on board. This show that you are listening to is online on threads and on Instagram as DLC Hype Train. And based on listener feedback, we are also putting up video chunks on YouTube, which you can find at DLC Pod. So for example, our Spider-Man chat will probably be broken out and put out on YouTube. So you can go and find that because I believe what they tell you when you start a podcast is wait 10 years, then start a YouTube channel. Um, so we're following yeah, that playbook. We're, uh, to we didn't want to jump in too fast. We didn't know if that YouTube thing would stick around. So we're, Google you know, might kill it. You know, they might, they yeah. might, uh, they we might jam board it. So we wanted to wait. We, we, uh, wanted, we waited to, to jump sure into social legs. media until it was dying. That's, early, that's kind of where I'm at. Early you got to make sure it had on, legs. Early adopters on VR and 3D, but you waited for YouTube and social media. I appreciate that. Hey, thank hey, you. Thank Bruce. you for acknowledging how smart yeah. our business plan is. <laughs> 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 I am also on threads and Instagram as Christian underscore Spicer. The only reason I mentioned that this week is because... Uh, Halloween photo time is coming, up, <gasps> and I'm excited Ooh. for this year's Halloween. Christian photos. would kind not reveal what his his costume posting. was going to be. Oh, true that. But if you've been watching video versions of this show, which you can do uh, on archive as a patron, you might get a hint as to something that I've been growing toward. <laughs> yeah, ooh, growing toward. Are you getting taller? Uh, I'm still only five ten. Can't, <laughs> still can't. Dunk. Still can't. Dunk. Still can't dunk. <laughs> Christian was going to be Halloween as a. A dunking basketballer, but it, it as a go. guy with good posture, again, you wait forty <laughs> years before you decide to have Bruce. Are you uh, are you dressing up the seven month old? Is that um, your plan? Yeah, we are going to be doing a, a family costume where nice. we're all uh, Pokemon. So yeah, my wife, yeah. my wife and I. I'm obviously uh, I'll be Ash. She's Misty, and then uh, Pikachu is our daughter. Adorable, um, amazing, yeah. and. Uh, I can't wait to put her in that costume. I can't, <laughs> You're say, I can't wait to put her in that little ball. Oh, it's going to be. It's, oh, no, not the Pokeball. Not the Pokeball. No, no, no. <laughs> um, we are, uh, we're doing, uh, my kids have gotten very into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So we're doing a family Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles nice. thing. And nice. I already sent Christian the picture of my five-year-old daughter. And they, they sell like a, a, a Michelangelo with like a tutu. So that's what oh. she got. She got the the two. Jeff, are you Splinter? No, we. There's only four of us. So we're all turtles. I, I think. Oh, I've cool. Been, I've been uh, relegated to Raph. So I, <laughs> I don't know what that says about me and my parenting style. What my kids think of it. But uh... speaking of Michelangelo, over on our threads, I put out something about uh, like Halloween costume and what folks were doing, and Kyle Starr replied with pictures. So we talked about it on paid DLC. I think Jeff about like homemade costumes with Danish and Kyle replied with a picture of some of his homemade costumes from, when he was a kid and he's got an OG homemade Michelangelo costume. Nice. That is incredible. That's awesome. awesome. Check it out on the discord. Five by five DLC. It's on discord. threads. Oh, it's on, on thread. Threads. Excuse me. Thread. There's no S I don't know. Whatever. Wait 10 years, start social media. Right. Um, you can follow me on social medias. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Also, other shows I do, including the film cast, talking about movies and TV shows. I have a comedy science show called We Have Concerns, a sports show uh, called The Fan Controlled Show. You can find that at Fan Controlled Sports and Entertainment. And of course, uh, the book club. We're doing the book club 
uh, you can find on my YouTube channel, which is uh, youtube.com slash Kanata Jeff. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion. Bruce, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? This is a really easy one because it just came out. Uh, Fall of the House of Usher. Uh, uh, it is uh, just a fantastic television show. Mike Flanagan at his very, very best. Uh, and the cast, it's an ensemble cast of just amazing characters. And if you've watched other Mike Flanagan stuff, you'll recognize them from Midnight Mass or, you know, Bly Manor or whatever else. But I think Usher is probably the most fun I've had watching a Mike Flanagan series. It's just just beautiful. Uh, I cannot wait to start it. I'm very excited. Midnight Mass is one of my favorite things ever. Oh, it's great. I, I, yeah. Mid I, Midnight Mass is like, it, it took very like a, a very dark tone and uh, it, it felt very serious, whereas Usher does not feel that way. Mm. Usher's like way more fun. And I feel it, it's it's like a kind of the way I enjoy Halloween, which is like fun, but scary. And that's that's what it is. Excellent. Love it. Yeah. yeah. Christian Spicer, what is your parting gift? Well, first, I have a nerdy admission. As I saw people talking about Fall of the House of Usher online, I thought it was a biopic about Usher. I legit <laughs> thought it was about. And I was like, oh, that would I mean, be, I guess. That would be a good title for an Usher biopic. I, thought, I was like, I thought he was on a comeback tour. I realized he had some, <laughs> I, I think he had infidelity problems or like, you know, I thought he was better. I, I don't Amazing. think he was ever that problematic, but I was like, I'm going to watch this. And he's like, no, it's scary. And I was like, oh yeah, that's not, like the picture is like a woman with a crow mask or something. Yeah. I was like, that's not Usher. <laughs> <laughs> totally went over my head. Um, this got recommended to me in our Discord. We have a channel, Parting Gifts. And Blue Fox pinged me in there saying, hey, I think you'd like this. Uh, you should check it out. And it is the newest album by Sincere Engineer called Cheap Grills. And I had listened to some Sincere Engineer ooh, six years ago now when their first album, their first, yeah, I think it was their first full length came out. And I liked them. They were great. But for whatever reason, just fell off my radar. Uh, I've had Cheap Grills on repeat really giving me some Camp Cope vibes as they have now. I think they're now disbanded as of recording Camp Cope. And so I've loved finding, uh, reconnecting with Sincere Engineer. Really, really great stuff. And um, yeah, Code Orange is maybe what I'd recommend off of, uh, off of Cheap Grills as your first song. But the whole album's fantastic. So it's Cheap Grills by Sincere Engineer. And thank you, uh, Blue Fox, for letting me know about it. I am also going to use a parting gift to tell you about a song, music. Uh, I'm not the, uh, my kids dominate my music listening, which basically means I listen to songs about farts. Uh, so it's not great. Um, however, once in a while, the algorithm will serve me up a song that I have not heard before. And this is not a new song. Uh, it is quite old, in fact, several years old. But it is new to me. I, I had not heard it. And I have become obsessed with this song of late. It is called My Own by Whitaker. Whitaker is the group. My Own, O-W-N, is the name of the song. And this is an incredible song. I've just become obsessed with the song. It's one of those, uh, it's, it's a breakup song. Very powerful, very emotional. And it's one of those songs that like starts with just a naked chord and a vocal and then layers on and builds to until it's like this crescendo with 
choral voices and it just it starts you know very stripped down and very bare and then just it, it builds and builds and before you know it like the music has enveloped you and it's it's just this massive layered gorgeous you know outpouring of emotion uh you know breakup song kind of like uh used to be my own it's a beautiful song and uh not a new song for me but uh if you haven't heard of it like i hadn't uh i recommend checking out my own by Whitaker. We also got a listener suggested parting gift. This was sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. It comes from Gui, I think that's how you pronounce it, uh, who says, here's my parting gift suggestion. If you are a fan of manga, 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 I'd like to suggest checking out Manga Plus by Shuisha. Again, probably got that wrong. S-H-U-E-I-S-H-A. Shuisha? It's an official online manga distribution service that offers many popular titles from Shonen Jump and other publishers. And here's the best. You can read them for free. You can read the adventures of Goku, Naruto, Baruto, Luffy, and many others in their mobile app. I found this service after watching One Piece on Netflix. Another bonus recommendation. And I oh, wanted... Nicely to... done, yeah, by well, the way. Way to, way to <laughs> nest those, you know? Nest yeah, those like really well Russian done. dolls. I wanted to dive deeper into the adventures of Luffy the Pirate. Watching a hundred, a thousand plus TV episodes seemed too much for me. So I thought reading the manga would be easier as I can flip through them at my own pace. And I'm loving it so far. There you go. All right. So there you go. Uh, Manga Plus by Shuisha. I hope that's close to being correct. But thank you for the awesome parting gift. If you'd like to have your parting gift read on the show, send it to us. DLC Feedback at gmail.com. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Bruce Green and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those awesome bumpers. Our theme song was composed by White Cube, which is Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. Our biggest thanks go to our patrons at patreon.com slash dlcpod. They bring the show to you. They make it possible. And our top-tier patrons... Our hype train patrons get something very special. They get their own video game, which Christian and I are going to do right now. It's time for a couple of our hype train patrons to get their video game. And Christian, I think we both recall Dan Palmino's video game. I remember playing it and being like, I was, re- I mean, this this came out as I was already reviewing games. I know you've been reviewing games for forever, but uh, it's been a shorter period for me. And I remember, you know, I was ready with that early aughts snark. Like, Paul, does Dan bring it in this game? Paul, me, no, he does not. You know, like, we, I was ready. I was wow. ready with all yeah. of these. You were going to no just puns. trash it? You were going to. Well, they were there, right? Like, it yeah. was a new IP from an unproven studio at There's this point. There's a new point. DP. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from an established director. So, you know, you yes. bring in a new director of photography, it's going gonna, it's gonna to probably work. Um, yes, Dan Palmino. I get it. Um, but I, w- I was like, you know, I was ready to go. Uh, and then I remember just being blown away by the intricate camera system that this game, mm. I feel like it revolutionized yes. again 3d games in a way that i hadn't seen before with this dynamic camera I, I coming from the days of mario 64 in the c stick yeah and dan palmino it said was... no 
I will not have a crappy third person camera. It was weird that the camera was you were always running toward it. You know, like those <laughs> Crash Bandicoot levels where the the, the ball is it, the entire game you're running toward the camera. I thought it was a bold choice. You know. Never it was knowing a bolder exactly, choice, you might say. It was a bolder <laughs> choice. I never knowing exactly where I was going to, but it was a game really about looking back, right? It was a game about where have we been, you know? And in that sense, very artful. I thought it was a beautiful use of camera. One that has never been, there, never been replicated. There aren't any Palmino likes, you know? And I think there should be. I think it says a lot. Like you don't, know where you're going like in life like right. i didn't know where this game we were creating was going but we no. got it to a, a good and place and by... you still aren't you still don't <laughs> by running ne away neither from of us boulder. do really but <laughs> uh yeah it was weird too because uh it was a, it was a third person shooter you know and you're shooting all the stuff in front of you but it was just shooting right at the camera <laughs> and uh again bold artistic beautiful uh, you you only know that you've successfully defeated an enemy because as you keep moving forward, they eventually uh, go behind you. You know, they're <laughs> they're corpse. They're corpse. They're corpse. <laughs> that is how you, Jeff Kanata. You know, you've defeated an enemy because they're a corpse. I think I remember reading that in the newspaper actually for well, you. You, know, you of Dan Palmino. Just, you, you pass the corpse. That's how you you know you got them. You know. Uh huh. Yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> some people called it a frustrating game. I I just thought it was very artistic. Beautiful game. Uh, but nothing compared to Malcolm King. The, you know about Malcolm King, uh, which I believe has been acquired in the Activision Blizzard King acquisition. I was scrolling through that list of IPs because you hear King and every, you automatically think Candy Crush. But you don't think where did the name King come from? It's like, oh, maybe King's Quest? No, yeah, that's, that's a different what I would genre. think is King's yeah. Quest. Yeah. Yeah. No. Malcolm. Malcolm King. Yeah. It's... Uh, I'm grateful that Malcolm King is a patron because uh, now that they have uh, one third of $68.7 billion, I've, I'm I, expecting their contribution <laughs> to go up slightly. I mean, they're already at our top tier, but, you know, I appreciate I'm it. I'm expecting Phil Spencer to show up on stage at Game Awards or some event with the Malcolm King shirt on to show yeah. that this is going to be the franchise it's we're back. bringing back and yeah it's back you know i don't I, I was excited for battle toads uh i've been excited for some of the teases that you know we've seen fill in yeah are uh, are you kidding me a malcolm king game coming in 24 25 get out of here we have reported on the show numerous times that while activision and blizzard were attractive to microsoft what they really wanted was the king part the malcolm king part which is you know it was huge on mobile we know that huge on mobile and Microsoft has wanted to get their foot in the mobile game for a long time. And I think a Malcolm King is really what's worth all of the billions. Mostly, you know, total portfolio game changer. You look at Xbox and Microsoft before, and you're going to look back on this and you're 20 of this show, Jeff, we're going to look back and be like, what changed fundamentally was Malcolm King falling under the Microsoft banner. And it's going it, to, it's going to, no. I, I'm confident in saying I'm Spicedradamus here. This will revolutionize Microsoft and Xbox going forward. Was Malcolm King just a match three? Yes. Is it still worth $68 billion? Of course, because people love match threes. 
I, I can't explain it, but I witness it and I'm impressed by it. The numbers don't lie. You know, one, two, three, match. There's no lie there. There's the not numbers. a single lie. No lies detected. No lies detected. Mm-mm. Yeah. So thank you, Malcolm King and Dan Palmino, for continuing to support our show at the hype train level. If you're in a hype train, your game is a coming too. So you say get, it like that, like it's a threat. Uh, get excited, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for supporting the show. All right. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.